0: Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Tower Junkies, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Tower Junkies t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018. And if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Take a screenshot of the review and email it to Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com with the subject line Tower Junkies T shirt contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of Tower Junkies.
1: You're clean, aren't you? Except
0: for your tower.
1: You're a Tower Junkie, Roland.
0: Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, the dark tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to the tower. We also discuss King novels related to the dark tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tower Junkies Pod. You can also email us at Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com I am your host uh, Matt Hurt, by the way, Um, and today on the podcast we will be discussing um, The Gunslinger, the first book of the Dark Tower series. This is a Kef episode. It's actually the first Kef episode we've recorded for the podcast. But this is going to be a broad uh, discussion of the book as a whole. And to join me on this is Mr. Tony Troxell from Indiana Geeking. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Tony?
1: Hey everyone, my name is Tony. If you've uh, listened to any of uh, Matt's other podcasts in the past, mm-hmm. you probably uh, recognize my name and my voice. <laughs> um, I write for a blog called Geeking in Indiana. I uh, podcast every now and again under uh, Indiana Geeking, and I'm I've while I've been on here before talking about the Dark Tower movie. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in over twenty years I've uh, started reading any of the books. So. Nice.
0: We're making lives we're, – we're changing lives here on Tower Drunkies. And whether or not that's for
1: the better or for the worse, we're going to find out.
0: <laughs> well, I already forced you to watch the movie, so <laughs> it's just uphill from here. <laughs> You've already <laughs> said,
1: okay, we can't go any farther down than right. this.
0: Yeah. So yeah. put
1: your expectations in the toilet.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually – because they announced that the um, – the dark tower movie, they announced that the release date is for the, for the home video release is going to be on October 31st, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because it's like, uh, what two and a half months after it was theatrically released. Um, but in like, it's no, it's no secret. We, I wasn't a fan of the dark tower movie. I I think kind of across the board, everyone that is in our little cotet of this podcast just pretty much disliked the movie um but there was a uh special features like like announcement like the press release for it and it said like one of the things that it's going to include is a blooper reel so like i made sure i just i just took like a screenshot of it and i circled it and put like oh they're gonna i I circled where it said a blooper reel and i put i just said oh they're gonna include the whole movie on the (laughs) blu (laughs) ray Which is maybe not fair. There are a now, couple scenes. To to be fair, remember, since I went in
1: cold, it wasn't mm-hmm. that I disliked it. It was just an average yeah. summer action film, right? And that's you that's know fair. to be to be fair. And I have a feeling the more I get into the books,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's I'll, I will probably dislike it. The harder your opinion will be. But you know, I'm actually kind of curious to see what some of the deleted scenes are. Mm-hmm. I'm. Okay. The bo- Let's face it. The blooper reel is going to be a bunch of shots of guns getting dropped.
0: Okay? Yeah. That. That's what the that blooper and just reel is like flood lines. How do you feel about blooper reels, just in general?
1: You know, when I was in high school and really huge Trekkie, you know, mm-hmm. especially because you didn't have you remember I'm old uh, YouTube <laughs> or streaming video sure. or anything like that. Having the opportunity to see a blooper reel was kind of funny mm-hmm. and kind of cool, but now it's just like. And it seemed very earnest because they mm. knew it wasn't going to end up on a video, a Blu-ray, right. or anything like that, unless it was a bootleg at a convention. Mm-hmm. Now it's like they're showing up on YouTube in mm-hmm. advance of a movie release to help drum up interest. And yeah, it's lost a lot of the innocence and mm-hmm. the and the sincere charm it used to have.
0: I I agree. I agree. And it kind of seems a little repetitive because it's it's they're not people aren't as caught off guard and i'm sure that part of that is also just you know digital filming is like making it so that it's not that big of a thing to to flub a line or anything because they don't have like a finite amount of film to to shoot on
1: and you know it's like you know oh yeah look at chris pratt being funny yeah messing stuff up on something like guardians of the galaxy that's not as funny as like seeing leonard nimoy Mm -hmm. And that that very serious Spock mm. all of a sudden mess up and then just completely break character. Sure, or sure. even better, not break character. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Some of those those were those were very good. Now right. it's
0: just like I hate change. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's uh, it. I'm going to buy the Dark Tower movie on Blu-ray. And uh, I think the plan is for me and Tiny, since they didn't, since they're not including this on the Blu-ray, Tiny and I are going to do them, do the studio Sony and MRC a favor, and we're going to record our own commentary track for it. So that's going to be interesting.
2: Um,
0: but uh, what? Okay, we'll start with this. Um, before we get into the actual thing, I think it's worth noting that we're recording this today on uh, Thursday, September 21st, and today just happens to be Mr. Stephen King's yes. 70th birthday. And... Uh, yeah, so I would just like to just formally say, hey, happy birthday to Stephen King. I know he listens, probably. Maybe not. Probably not.
1: Hey, at this point, it's going to be belated, but hey, this is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Happy <laughs> birthday, Mr. King.
0: Nice. <laughs> I actually had a dream last night where I was at a convention, and Stephen King was there, and I was trying so desperately to stalk him and like actually have a moment where I met him and talked to him, but uh, it... it there was like an eclipse. Since it was a, it was a weird, it was a weird dream, but it never, it never came together. But then at the end of the dream, it was like an actual like little. It was kind of cool. At the end of the dream, like he left me a note saying like, "Oh hey yeah," and I was like, "Oh me and Stephen King are best friends."
1: <laughs> this is riveting.
0: It's not podcast. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so happy birthday to uh, Stephen King. And uh, what me and Tiny have been doing lately. Or at least the last episode we recorded, um, we have been kind of checking in with like what we've been doing in terms of Stephen King, uh, consuming of, of his, mm-hmm. of his work. Have, aside from reading and rereading The Gunslinger and preparing for this, uh, have you, have you consumed any Stephen King media, um, well I is made it all the part? way up
1: to the spoilers of your uh, last episode talking about Roland oh nice so I made it up to the spoiler point there mm-hmm. um, sound like you had a good time going mm-hmm. to visit the uh, shooting um, set over in uh, greenfield yes that is a beautiful downtown area oh well, my God. a lot of it's, antique malls and you can tell it just fits
0: it's so it's like a set it's like a it's like a set for a movie like it is so beautiful but
1: no back to the original question yeah. you know I've been I've been Listening. I've been um, reading Gunslinger. I've mm-hmm. got um, Drawing of the Three on nice. deck to oh, nice. read next. But in all honesty, with a full time job and mm-hmm. my own <laughs> air quotes media <laughs> empire right. to deal with, I award have not been... nominated
0: media empire.
1: No, no, that's just a Twitter feed. Your that's... your
0: brand is nominated. Yes, there we go. Yeah,
1: but um, <laughs> other. I mean, other than that. I really, I mean, we saw it a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and that's about it. Okay, no pun intended.
0: Nice. I. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we'll get you as deeper as the as uh, as you go deeper into the Dark Tower series, we'll get you more into Stephen King and and into uh, into all that. And that's, you know that's that the,
1: the the funny thing <laughs> is, um, and I think I mentioned when I was on for uh, the Dark Tower movie mm-hmm. episode. I devoured a Mm -hmm. lot of Stephen King back in the late 80s and early 90s. I mean, It, The Stand, Mm -hmm. Christine, which I know you're still working on.
0: I've got about 120 pages left.
1: Yeah, it's like the books, the Mm -hmm. movies... Um, I know we were laughing on us, um, messaging earlier that I used to work in an effects studio that yeah. they won an Emmy for the, uh, Mother Abigail makeup on the same oh, yeah. TV series, but they also did the Shining TV series. They mm-hmm. did Rose Red. They did Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. So I've been around Stephen King stuff. Right. But I just, I haven't really consumed or read much of anything since. <laughs> Like I said, probably about 1990, actually 1991, because I kind of rolled from Stephen wow. King to becoming a uh, full like hardcore Trekkie. Okay, you know that a Trekker is a Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. A Trekkie is someone who insists that you call them a Trekker. Sure, that is a quote from a uh, musician by the great, by, by the name of the great Luke Ski. Okay, that's a <laughs> geek uh, dementia. Musical artist, okay. and it just rings so true for that level of fandom. So, and I was definitely a Trekkie.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, well, yeah, we'll we'll get you to re- rekindle your love affair with Stephen King's work. Um, as for me, as as I said, I'm about 120 pages to the end of Christine. And uh, let's see. I mentioned that last uh, last uh, last episode. So uh, in in honor <laughs> in honor of a uh, Stephen King turning seventy today, and also in honor of me getting paid today, um, I splurged and I bought a bunch of his Stephen King or his Stephen King his short story uh, collections. So I oh, have which ones. I have Skeleton Crew, that, that one I bought a couple days ago from Amazon, so that was, that was arrived, that arrived yesterday. I got that specifically because I've been dying to read The Mist, um, Mm. for the longest time, and they just announced that it's gonna be on Netflix on, the last week of October is when it's the first season of the show is uh, hitting Netflix because um, Spike TV has a TV show based on The Mist. Oh,
1: so not the movie. Right, right. It's the TV series that covers the same ground as the movie, which was slightly different from the book – or the short story. And... Right. <sighs> okay.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a fun – trio of episodes for the podcast when I, when I get to that, but I'm really excited for that. And then, uh, I also, I mean, I ordered pretty much, cause like I, and this is where my fandom of Stephen King goes a little crazy. Cause I have a ton of his books on ebook on, on Kindle. Cause I used to have a Kindle and then I used my tablet to, to read ebooks and stuff. And then, then I kind of transitioned over to, um, uh, to, to buying the physical, physical books because I like having them displayed and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to going to like audiobooks. So I have, I've been, I've been, I have, th- I have different copies of the same book on three <laughs> different formats. Like today I just bought Carrie on audiobook, um, that on Audible because I only had to spend like nine bucks because I already had the ebook. And then, Now I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know, that doesn't, that would look good on my shelf too. So yeah, but yeah, I'm single and have a little bit of disposable income, single and no kids. So I can, I can splurge. Yes, I am, um, I am not. Therefore, (laughs) um,
1: I've been buying stuff. I have a, I have a nook ebook. Mm. And uh, so I've been buying the books on that, but I've also reinstalled Overdrive to my phone.
0: Oh yeah, and nice.
1: uh, we'll see which uh, happens first—whether I start reading uh, Drawing of the Three on the e-book mm-hmm. or if Drawing of the Three actually comes <laughs> up because I'm number fifteen on the waiting list for it. Oh, interesting. So really, it really really makes you wonder, you know, you <laughs> you all you were very curious after mm-hmm. the Dark Tower movie. If this is going to turn people off from the series, or is this going to make mm-hmm. them actually want to read and become familiar with? Yeah. Them? And if I'm like 15 mm-hmm. in line for Drawing of the Three, which is not a new book no. by any stretch of the imagination, that's very. It's really it's, comforting. It's,
0: yeah, and I kind of wonder if the success of it is is also propelling that. It. Yeah, interesting. Um, oh man, the it audiobook is so good. But anyway, um, I also, I also ordered and I'm getting these tomorrow. I'm getting night shift, uh, different seasons and four past midnight. Uh,
1: um,
0: really excited. Read, for different- read every one of them.
1: Couldn't yeah. tell you a single <laughs> thing about them because I have slept so much right. and suffered traumatic head trauma <laughs> in the, uh, years in between sure. reading them and now.
0: I'm particularly excited for different seasons because that's the one that has Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, uh, Apt Pupil and The Body, mm-hmm. uh, which is based for Stand By Me. And, uh, it's got one other one. I can't remember what it's titled, but it hasn't been adapted. But I'm really excited because those, like, it, Shawshank is one of my favorite movies of all time. And, uh, and Stand By Me is, of course, incredible.
1: And once again, here's how my memory is when you were talking about that, I think I saw you talking about it either on twitter or i heard you talking about it with tiny mm-hmm. um and i'm thinking i really thought the body was one of his bachman
2: pieces. oh
1: interesting and it's yeah just that's how bad my memory is right <laughs> so it's like no that's a running man
0: yeah <laughs> yep um yeah so that's, that's so that's where i'm at with stephen king my my uh, stephen king check-in for this uh, for this week and so we're here today to discuss The Dark Tower 1, The Gunslinger, and I am going to go ahead and read from the back of the paperback edition for the plot summary of it, and uh yeah, and then we'll, the way we'll... And the way we will, uh, can I read it? Go I, about? Oh yeah. Can I read it? Yeah. And can I w- do radio voice and read? <laughs> it? Oh totally. Yes, <laughs> please. And the way that we're going to do this this uh, this review is that we're going to have a non spoiler section, just broad thoughts on the book, and then we'll dive deep into a spoiler discussion. So, uh, Tony, take it away with the plot description, courtesy of the back of the paperback for the movie tie in edition of The Dark Tower: One, The Gunslinger, by Stephen King.
1: In a desolate reality, one that mirrors our own in frightening ways, a lone and haunting figure known only as Roland makes his way across the endless sands in pursuit of a sinister, dark-robed mystery of a man. Roland is the last of his kind, a gunslinger charged with protecting whatever goodness and light remains in his world. A world that moved on, as they say. And the only way he can possibly hope to save everything is to first outwit and confront this man in black. And then make him divulge his many arcane secrets. For despite the countless miles he's already traversed, Roland knows these will merely be his initial steps on his spellbinding and soul shattering quest. I almost made it. Almost. <laughs> to locate the mystical nexus of all worlds, all universes, the Dark Tower.
0: Very well done. I almost made it all the way to the end. <laughs> almost, almost. But it was an admirable effort. Um so yes, we are here to talk about the gunslinger. So in broad terms, Tony, your history with this is that you read it once uh long ago. Um Oh before you were born. No, I mean, not that long ago, <laughs> sure, but still. Sure. <laughs> um just pull pulling little Obi-Wan, stroke the beard. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh before you were born. <laughs> nice. Um so So going into rereading it, especially after seeing the movie, what were your expectations going into reading it again? How much of it did you remember from when you read it previously? And uh, how much did your um, opinion of the movie influence how you were going to go into the book when reading it?
1: I remembered it being very dry, Mm -hmm. very boring. It's it's a lot of setup. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of... You know, getting you used to the world sort of thing. Mm -hmm. In fact, let me uh, open up my notes here. Um, (laughs) Fingerprint. Um, It's like uh, one of my notes is and this is more current thought. Of course, I didn't think this back in the late Mm -hmm. 80s. I know it's setting up the series, but it feels like a set of viral YouTube videos get you prepared for the actual movie. Okay. It's like each one of those little bits. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you've got him going to the, and remember, I'm horrible with names. You got mm-hmm. him going to the one guy's cabin where he's got the corn and the beans Brown. and the talking raven. Mm-hmm. You've got him talking about tall. Mm-hmm. Then you've got him meeting Jake mm-hmm. and then you've got everything that happens with Jake and then you mm-hmm. have him actually catching up with the man in black.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got the little bit there with him as a young one. Mm-hmm. And it's like each one of those could have just been like a little ten minute YouTube video leading up to another movie Mm -hmm. sort of thing.
2: Sure. So but
1: and the and I know and you know, you're asking how he compared it to the movie. I really didn't. Okay. Because as I knew from talking to you and Tiny Mm -hmm. that the movie was an amalgamation of a bunch of things from the all the different books Mm -hmm. that just didn't mesh well sure so but on the flip side you know i'm reading roland and some of the descriptions are putting in there i'm trying to wrap around the image of roland in the film
0: oh interesting so huh and i still think man i still think idris Alba would it is amazing it, i i just almost said would be amazing in in the dark tower you
1: have get, gone that far in convincing yourself that movie doesn't exist Here, I, I thought it was a joke
0: i i have i really have I thought it was um. a joke
1: like you saying last <laughs> night, I have one YouTube subscriber, <laughs> and I go, you're welcome. Exactly. And then I look today, and I am your one YouTube subscriber. People, please look up Matt Hurd on YouTube. <laughs> give him a follow, because he's getting ready to get two, because I have a second YouTube account. And I'm going to go ahead and follow him on that. Nice. But I want him to have real followers. Mm-hmm. But moving on. <laughs>
0: but don't be don't be anticipating anything on YouTube. I've just been dumping episodes of tower junkies onto there we'll work on um that. okay i mean sure but um it's interesting the the point that you made about it being different like uh not necessarily vignettes but different like segments for different like kind of uh going through it not what i'm gathering from your from your analysis of that is that it's 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 not a fluid cohesive story well right? i
1: mean it was it was fluid and the, the storytelling was good enough that it's tied everything together well mm-hmm. but you know it's a couple hundred pages but then the first 20 odd pages are the background of actually writing the book in the introduction at oh, least yeah. on my copy mm-hmm. on the ebook on the nook and then the last 30 pages are like a preview of the next story and his mm-hmm. afterwards talking about where he was you know where he's going next with right. the Dark Tower. So in reality, I want to say it was it, the actual reading story was stop changing from landscape to portrait. <laughs> film. It's 156 pages, mm-hmm. so that's almost one of his short story levels.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Because right I think there, I man. think the mist is maybe 150. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I mean, um. in, in reality, the story itself is only about 156 pages.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, I mean, that's not a full, I mean, yeah, they're able to flesh it out maybe for something like The Mist, and they completely change the ending and all that. Mm-hmm. But this would work very well as, like I said, that series of short films on something like – uh YouTube, or mm-hmm. even if you want to turn it into a uh, mini series to lead up to what I would assume to be more of a feature length level mm-hmm. sort of story and drawing of the three or something like that. I don't know because I haven't read, I haven't read drawing of the three in 20 years. I haven't read right. anything past there. So
0: nice. That's man, that's going to be interesting. Um, well, it's interesting that you, that you put it like that because I, I don't know if you're aware of the, the, the publication history and everything, but, um, the gunslinger was, uh, published throughout 1970, uh, between 1978 and 1981 in the magazine of, of fantasy and science fiction in five separate stories. So each chapter of it, the gunslinger, the way station, the Oracle in the mountains, the slow mutants, and the gunslinger and the man in black were all separately published in a serialized format in the magazine of, fantasy and science fiction which i kind of it's interesting because even like this is the revised edition that we read <laughs> like mm-hmm. the original edition is even leaner because there's a lot um because going through the series and then going back and reading the gunslinger you can pick up exactly where he put in more stuff to kind of put more meat in the story um which i'll I'll get into the, into that later, but um it is a very lean story and it's very much a uh I've always said that it's it's like a prologue to the series and mm-hmm. your your suggestion that it'd be work better as a series of shorts in the lead up to the beginning of a series is is pretty apt honestly, but I still enjoyed it did you did you still think that it was dry and slow
1: it was it's it was kind of dry mm-hmm. and yeah it was kind of slow and i think mm-hmm. as we all know king has a preoccupation with sex and all of his stories mm-hmm. and it's just i never really realized exactly how much mm-hmm. that was in there just i mean even you know today to try to prep i was trying to give it another read through and i made it through as i told you before we started recording i mm-hmm. made it through um to where he met jake and even by that point there there's been like two or three you know different instances where essentially women have been trying to have sex with roland mm-hmm.
0: so right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's and it's in his interaction with Sylvia piston yeah. um is uh i'm going to i'm going to go out on a limb here and say we'll never see that in an adaptation yeah <laughs> um Cause it's, it's a little, it's a little shocking. It's It's a little little, invasive. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that is, that is how I would describe it too. Um, so yeah, it is, it is pretty, um, it is pretty dry. It does have its moments. I, I like it as it's, it kind of has this certain, this sort of poetry to it that it's very, it's very descriptive and it's very much about, kind of introducing the man in his journey without going into much detail about the world necessarily. Um, which I think is kind of one of its, one of its, uh, smaller, one of its, one of its, uh, lesser points is that there are moments, especially with the revised edition where he puts things into it that is significant for, um, for, people who are familiar with the mythology as it goes on, but I can't imagine that I, <laughs> I can't imagine that the references in the book really expand on the mythology of the, of the story for first time readers. Um, it feels more like they're Easter eggs for, for people who are familiar with the series. Like there are numerous references to Magus and to the character of Susan. Yes. Um, which reading it, after knowing that after knowing that backstory throughout reading the series i it just feels kind of out of place because there's no expanse uh, expansion on it and it's <laughs> and it's funny because i feel like i'm putting my foot firmly in my
1: mouth because i was actually going to bring that up but yeah. i was not going to put it do it in a poking at you way sure. i'm just going to sure. make a mention that you know i assume you're getting ready to talk about how you're frustrated at the film mm-hmm. about how they would do things without any explanation just expecting you to know what they are right but since this book this book does that mm-hmm. and i mean there was stuff in there i think a couple of things i wrote the notes down you know mm-hmm. kef um mm-hmm. Manny, the high speed, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm just assuming that's world building, and it will be explained right later on. Which that film does not give you that expectation, right. That there is going to be anything in the future, and especially the box office, we know there's. <laughs> yeah, none, but the, you know that even just right there, if you were watching the first showing, the first day, mm-hmm. and everyone's saying it's going to just blow out records. Mm-hmm there was no expectation that this would ever be explained to you. Whereas when you're talking about book one of a series, Mm. there is a reasonable expectation that, Okay. I'm just going to file this way in the back of my head yeah. and then I will eventually come up. Mm-hmm. So that's, re- you know, you're thinking you're inserting foot firmly in mouth. Mm-hmm. You're talking two different mediums and two different expectations, at least in my mind. I know where right. you're coming from. Oh, yeah. But I'm not laying that blame on you.
0: Right. And, and yeah. And- <laughs> Unlike
1: you not silencing your phone during it. That I'll lay the blame on you for. You're lucky I didn't call you out on that podcast vi- <laughs> episode, but now I'm doing it.
0: A vibrating phone is not as distracting as a ringtone playing. That's I all I'll have
1: say. Really sharp hearing, dude. <laughs> Did you not notice how I immediately looked over? At
0: I you? definitely noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, um, <laughs>
1: this, this is not making the cut. I Moving will on. cut
0: that out of this episode. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, and it's interesting because when I was re-listening to it, because I, I got about halfway through listening to it again, uh, before this recording, I had just recently listened to it over a weekend, a couple weeks ago. But when re-listening to it, I just kind of noticed like, yeah, all of these are coming up and they're not explained and it kind of gets it kind of makes me feel like he like Stephen King is notorious or infamous and famous for um not outlining. Like he is a he's aggressively he aggressively does not outline his stories. He just writes and then lets 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 the story unfold before him, which is great because that really lends itself to really uh, Really impeccable characterization and, and setting and everything. But when you're dealing with a 40, 42 to 4500 page epic series, that leaves something to be des- desired from the first, f- from the first book. So like, to compare, like to go back and compare the changes that were made in the book uh, for the revision, it seems a lot like he is kind of fixing fixing the story and fixing the the continuity a little bit and putting things there that will pay off in in it, especially the last 3 books um and that's that's where you get kind of a kind of a jumble of of the series as a whole in the mythology is that you get big bads that are introduced later in the series that are now referenced in the first book and then not really that not really referenced that much until books five through seven when king had his accident and churned them out and, and finished them up so i mean
1: you're talking about people like the crimson king
0: the crimson king the Tahine, uh algal uh Algol siento um or blue heaven yeah it's and it becomes a little disjointed when reading it. and i think that that's i don't know if i would say more so than the movie itself but i think that's that's pretty that's pretty much the reason why i say Hey, the gunslinger is a prologue. If, if you're not, if you're not decided on whether or not you want to continue it, give the drawing of the three a shot because that is where it really comes into its own as a series and introduces some very pivotal characters and, and gets more into the, the type of story that this series would go on to be. Um, So, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going
1: to say, if I may, and Mm -hmm. uh, apologies to many of the listeners. I know this is very, very kind of strictly Stephen King, but I'm more Mm -hmm. of a general geek. So my references go everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm giving you until the third book on this. Nice. So you'll know how long I stick around based on how, (laughs) you know, positive or negative my reactions to the second and third book in the series are. Mm -hmm. But I view, I'm viewing it very much like the first season of New Who, the new Doctor Who with Eccleston. Okay. You start out yeah. with the Doctor versus essentially mannequins.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I refer to it because <laughs> I saw the first live action G.I. Joe film before I saw that. So for me, it was mm-hmm. Destro versus the Plastic People. Okay. <laughs> you make it through that. You watch that. You don't start with the really awesome episodes that everyone tells you to. Right. No, you start with that episode. If you make it to the Dr. Dances Mm -hmm. and those episodes with the introduction of Jack Harkness, Mm -hmm. uh, The Child, Are You My Mummy? And (laughs) those are just fantastic episodes. Mm -hmm. If you can make it to that and you still don't like the series, you're you're not going to like it. Yeah. But if you made it to that, you're you're seeing some of the best the series has to offer and you've earned it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and you've earned You don't start with, um, blink. Right. You don't start with the weeping angels. Everyone says, start with that because it's a doctor story. And I know I'm getting a bit off mm-hmm. topic, but essentially that's how I'm viewing this. Mm-hmm. No, you have to start with this to build the world and know what's, and have an idea what's going on. At least that's what I thought we'll talk more about it when we get to the non-spoiler. <laughs> right. Or the spoiler section. Spoiler section. But, um, yeah, you start with this, and then you give the second book a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go ahead and give it the the first the first three. And if I'm not sold by the first three,
2: mm-hmm.
0: hey, we tried, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you under contract for all seven, but that's fine. But um, but uh, as far as that, like, and that is a good analogy. And I would also argue, not to go off on a tangent, I'll bring this back to the Dark Tower here in a second. But I would actually argue that, yeah, if you want to introduce someone to Doctor Who, I would say, hey, watch Blink to get a sense of what the show is and going to be and get some background on the Doctor and, and you have the timey-wiminess. That's fair. But also, <laughs> if you jump, have them jump into plastic mannequins, it's like, they'll, they'll, some people may not have the patience for that. But, I don't see that, I don't see that having a, uh, a, an analog for The Dark Tower. Like, I would never say, oh, hey, read, maybe not necessarily read Wizard and Glass, but hey, pick up the Gunslinger Born comics and read the backstory that is essentially all of Book Four and then get a sense if you want to read it. Like, I would never say that. So, like I said, it's, Gunslinger's a prologue drawing of the three Mm -hmm. will either draw you in or push you away. I see what you did there. I know. Right.
1: That's, that's not pun level, but still it's Ah!
0: nice. I'm really, I'm really proud of the, uh, the timestamps I put into, uh, the movie review episode for the dark tower. So for the dark tower movie. So just, are you you talking
1: about the ones for obsessive viewer or the ones for this, uh, for
0: the ones for this one, I'm proud of it because of the way that the, chapters are distributed in the drawing of the three
1: of the three that's already been removed from uh, google music for me (laughs) so
0: (laughs) right (laughs) but to go into more more general discussion about the gunslinger and then eventually we can go into uh spoilers um let me just let me just kind of throw it over to you do you have any non-spoilers uh questions or or comments on the on the story taheen Yes,
1: are those what? Because like at the very beginning, it talks about the man with the raven head. Mm-hmm. Are those what the man in black's uh, assistant henchmen, henchmen? in the movie were supposed to be.
0: Yeah, did you not? Did you not get that from the very quick scene where Roland is in the is in the forest with Jake, and it's like, oh, those are Tahine. No explanation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I realize exact same in this book, like just references to Heen. But yeah, those and are. I didn't even
1: catch it until the second read
0: through. Oh, really? Interesting. I didn't
1: I didn't catch it on the first one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, but fairly, that's... let's see, fairly slow, mm-hmm. fairly dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, started on page 24 and ended on page 80. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake wasn't in it that long. Right. Mm-hmm. No real connection
0: made with the character. Really interesting.
1: I, I, and it could have been because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, and I'm really starting to go, maybe I'm not going to read the rest of these on ebook. Oh, okay. Cause it could be the fact that I didn't have a good connection with the story was why I didn't mm-hmm. feel a good connection with the character there. Sure. But I, I just didn't feel it's like it almost felt like he was there. They, they, literally did the oracle and then they uh then <laughs> his story moved on. Mhm. If you will for lack of a better term. <laughs> sure. The man and, in black felt more like an exposition machine.
0: Which we'll we'll get into that for okay. sure. Okay. I know because I brought that up to you yeah
1: before. And
0: I have I have I have counters to that essentially. But as far as Jake is concerned, um that's interesting that you didn't feel a connection to the character cuz from my memory cuz it's it's been 7 years since I read it for the first time but my memory is that he's he's not he's not an audience conduit the same the way that he is in the movie yeah um the way that he is in the book is that he is a connection to our world in his his description and his experience is used to kind of highlight how foreign his world is to Roland's. And then that by contrast kind of uh, creates this idea, at least in my mind of how, how out there and peculiar Midworld and, and Roland's universe is like, cause you get these it's, it's very much like a Western desert, like motif and setting. And then you get, he's walking past a, um, a saloon, and he hears Hey Jude playing, and you get the man in black referencing, um, uh, colloquial, um, phrases that are popular in our world. And then you meet this kid that's talking about Times Square and mannequins, uh, ironically enough. Yeah. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. that, that, those pieces, I feel, at least for me, and my, from both my, memories, and this may be altered memories because it's been seven years, but my memories of reading the first book and also my hope for people reading it for the first time is that all of those pieces, while the book is a brief, brisk, somewhat dry and kind of flowery and poetry-laden uh, story, those nuggets can kind of, I would hope, get kind of get you imagining like what could happen or, or getting you more intrigued by what's to come. Did you pick up on any of that or how did you feel about, I mean,
1: and you know, that's the
0: thing I, I didn't lose.
1: I I was talking more like I didn't see how him and Roland had that much of a connection. Sure. B- through the bit that they were together. And, and once again, I think it there was the expectation that when, when Jake was introduced that he was going to be in the book, more than he was once again, based on the fact that I'd seen the film before I read the book. Mm -hmm. And even though the introduction of the character was completely different. Right. And it was almost as that there were kids named Jake, that was pretty much about it. (laughs) Right. That was about the only, um, you know, similarity that I saw. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that word was so hard to say all of a sudden. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, I just I didn't see much of the connection be you know, kinda like how I made the comment, um if you haven't listened to his uh, it episode over on Obsessive Ear, you gotta check mm-hmm. it out. No pun intended. <laughs> but um like I was saying there when um what was his name? The kid that came on last. Um that worked his but his was working in the sheep slaughtering factory oh 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 and it um in it, uh, yeah. mike. mike mike yeah like mike didn't make much of a connection with the group why was he following them into scary house to almost certain day? right i it's like why does roland care about this kid and i guess in some ways he really didn't mm-hmm. but why would roland even like I said, in some ways, I sure. completely, sure. But why does Roland even care about this kid? Because I'm just not—I wasn't feeling that much of a connection. Like he was just kind of <laughs> in and out of the story.
0: Sure, okay, and that and that's fair. And I think part of it's interesting to get that take because, like, like on obsessive viewer when Feckus was when Feckus was on one episode and we were talking about the movie and 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 kind of the hype uh, about the movie. Um, he had read, he, like, he was familiar with the gunslinger of the book and he was wondering, like, like he, he doesn't, he didn't understand, like, does Jake have a bigger role in the series or, or anything? Cause he just, he didn't remember him being that, that central of a figure. And that's interesting because I have the book series as a reference point And like, you're right, he's just kind of in and out of the gunslinger and, I mean that's a shame that it's you know the connection isn't really there there for the gunslinger and and Jake. I mean there is a lot of kind of telling the uh, telling the reader that you know Roland cares for him and everything yeah. and there's that connection there. But I think that the heart of it is how Roland is internalizing his his dilemma with what to do with Jake and how Jake's role in his quest like how how he can ration, not necessarily rationalize but how he can reconcile what needs to happen in order to him to for him to reach his goal and uh, and we'll talk more about that in spoilers but do you have any other non spoilers or should we dive the, in? and you
1: see the pr- the problem is I've got questions mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how they're going to tie in with other books or mm-hmm. whether or not they'd be considered spoilery from this sure. book so it might be safe. To go ahead and move on to what might be considered spoiler talk. Okay. Just to
0: play the whole uh, CYA, cover your ass sort of sure, game. Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we will go ahead and go into spoilers for The Dark Tower 1, The Gunslinger. Uh, we will be spoiling the book, The Gunslinger, but um, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything in the series uh, remaining books. Uh, we'll just be just better focused... Not. Right. <laughs> we'll just be focused primarily on The Gunslinger. And uh, yeah, so we'll play a, play a quick uh, interlude here and then go into spoilers for The Gunslinger. Okay, so uh spoilers. So throw throw your questions at me.
1: First question I had, you know, we're talking about the introduction of Jake is uh mm-hmm. pretty much when he becomes road to pizza. And um <laughs> sure. connection I didn't make in, until he was talking to uh Brown at the beginning mm-hmm. when he asked Brown if he believed in an afterlife mm-hmm. and Brown said I think we're in it or yeah, something like that is uh That's
0: one of my f- favorite lines of the book is like I think this is it.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is yeah. it. And then you go and see Jake who dies mm-hmm. on the regular world and shows up in Roland's world mm-hmm. and how this is like is that confirming or
0: <laughs> 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 um, <like>, hmm. <laughs> yeah the one of the ways to to travel between worlds essentially is is to die in one world. It's it's not like that's not like a that's not really anything that's really revisited in the rest of the series to be honest it's just like jake's death transported him into midworld and and that's how he got there and there are other portals and other ways to to go through worlds and everything like they reference the many the many folk that they uh they're described as being these uh religious people who are Travelers, they they travel between worlds, and they're always looking for ways to travel between worlds. Um, was it,
1: trying to find a hole to fill or in the world or something like that. Is how they yeah, referred to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because it, yeah, that that line does directly relate to Jake's character in this story. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it is. It is. It's Jake's afterlife, one of Jake's afterlives at least, because <laughs> um, the kid dies multiple times um well in this book he dies multiple times um what twice twice yeah yeah that's mul- that's a multiple we're not talking yeah. kenny levels here Sure. Okay? sure oh my god they killed jake you <laughs> bastards no that, that, that's... fair fair but he um to go back to the the conversation about his connection with with roland i think it's it's more like there are scenes that are somewhat of a disservice to, to King's writing style, um, or isn't as as um, strong, strongly written as as other examples of this can be in his in his work. But he says that, like he, I think he he's talking to Jake at one point and then King says like, this was the moment where Roland decided that he, that he loved the kid. And it's more like he's, he's just telling us that there, there isn't really anything showing that. And Roland is such a stoic and, and, uh, kind of strong, like silent character that I think you kind of need that in the description, but it's not necessarily about his love for Jake or the, that connection. It's more about, how can this character, how can this gunslinger character reconcile the fact that this kid's going to die so that he can reach the man in black so that he could maybe reach the tower. So it's not like a, it's not like a, a dilemma where he's like, okay, well it's either the tower or Jake. It's like, it's a gateway to possibly reaching the tower or this, this 11 year old kid can live. Um how do you feel about that development and that, the way that that part of the story unfolded
1: um it coming, oh yeah, really, I mean, sure. and it it could have been a stashed memory from all the from twenty years ago sure. or twenty five years ago or mm. see in two thousand almost thirty years ago jeez twenty eight man Ugh. if if I read this about eighty nine that would have been tw- that's twenty eight years ago, man. Ah, sweet and sour, baby Jesus.
0: Um, That's 28 I'm years I'm sorry, you man, have... Jesus. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. That's 28 yes. years you could have been just obsessed with the Dark Tower series. No, <laughs> no.
1: I think the only thing I've stayed obsessed with over the past... Uh, and it's only been about 26 years is Star mm-hmm. Trek. Oh, yeah. And even then, I haven't been fully obsessed with I've just sure. really obsessed... And then just kind of mellowed. Well, you know. And to the point where I'm calling people out for uh making uh, <laughs> negative comments about Star Trek Discovery on right. Facebook. But moving on. Yeah.
0: Um, but I mean, you know, Star Trek, they can they can have their little their little their little uh fan fan base and everything. We're talking about the Dark Tower, this massive cultural icon. Keep telling yourself that, buddy. It's in my it's my happy place. It's in
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you said you had, um, a defense for this. So mm-hmm. very, yes. very much felt. And since we're in spoilers now, and mm-hmm. I, there's a good assumption that most people listening to this are already familiar with the book and they're screaming at me, for right. my feeling lacks a connection and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go ahead, send all hate mail to a head geek at Indiana, com, and I'll summarily <laughs> delete it.
2: Um, <laughs> Sure. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, am the man in black, he, he you know, he's, he's, fu- he's that, he's the iconic line to begin the book. Mm-hmm. Then he's kind of who Roland's after. And then it touches on him being a douchebag when <laughs> Roland's younger. Mm-hmm. And then Roland finally catches up with him, sleeps for 10 years. And then the Man in Black's A Pile of Bones after pretty much being exposition.
0: See, and I think that – and this is all subjective. This is all my opinion and everything. But I think you're kind of breezing past kind of the the more um, interesting – traits to his character and you know
1: i very Um, well could have unintentionally done that we have discussed before how i am very i mean superficial is just the best phrase for it i am very on the surface Mm -hmm. i don't read too deep into things Mm -hmm. i've read too deep into things before it's made me very depressed i try not to do it anymore i'm a very surface level Mm -hmm. enjoyer of media and entertainment, so sure. I very well could be missing deeper, darker things, which is why I'm sure, bringing, or not darker, but darker. deeper, more meaningful mm-hmm. sort of things. I just like my alliteration. Sure. Um, so I will flat out admit.
0: Well, let me try to kind of shed some. Ah, uh, maybe let me let me try to bring you there essentially okay um by the way are you going to finish reading it a second time are you one of those people that has to like like you're reading something and you have to finish it
1: oh no i'm, g- I'm gonna finish this because right. then we're eventually going to be doing the uh, episode with uh you me tiny and uh robert feckens yes yes so i've got to make sure i'm completely up i've mm. got some fresh notes so we're not just rehashing this nice
0: so I, like see, I plan
1: i plan ahead i care i care about the quality that you folks are listening <laughs> to believe it
0: or not and I like it. Um, that's why we have you on the payroll. We are not paying him anything. Um, anyway. Support um, his Patreon, then please maybe do. you may give us some money. Yes. Uh, slash <laughs> no, donate. <towerdrunkiespod.com/donate>. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so the thing that kind of really, maybe the, maybe the highest point of the book for me is that ending scene after, after, Roland has reached, like, he's sacrificed Jake, he's reached the, he's reached the man in black, they're in the Golgotha, uh, Golgotha. I think that's how you pronounce it, I can't remember, Uh, Golgotha, and he's, it's, it's just bones everywhere, and, and the man in black is doing his, his spiel, and he's explaining that Every like the entire there's so much more to the world than just what Roland knows and everything like just the imagery of it and the description of everything that he says is just like it was like I've been reading this somewhat dry story of this guy wandering the desert and this in this all of this other stuff here and then it's just like. The scope of it just kind of came came at me in that moment. And I was just like, this is going to go into some really crazy places. It's beautiful kind of, exposition. Yeah. See, I wouldn't say <laughs> exposition. I would not call it exposition. I would call it a release of all the built-up world building. So, like, s- explaining it, – it's not like he's saying, like, oh – this single blade of grass holds all the universes. And this part of the universe is where this happened, where you can do where you did this. And this is where it's, you know, it led to this. It's like, it's more like there are other worlds than these. And it's, it's this massive word. universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And then like in, there was one part where he mentions, uh, he makes the comparison of, of the, the impossibility of Roland comprehending everything, um, he equates, I think that's the context of it, but he equates it to, um, a fish being pulled out of, uh, a, a body of water and not understanding, like, not being able to comprehend its new world that it's in in the brief moment before it dies it dies and everything. It's just that imagery, that idea just really, uh, stuck with me. And I, I just felt like it was a really big payoff for, for it in which in the same way, it was a very, very big payoff. And, uh, a uh, very big, sorry, <laughs> very big payoff to um, a lot of wandering in in a way that made me very excited to read more in the series.
1: But I, I think for me, it was more of a, there's all that, but then there's the the disappointment. Okay. Because, you know, everything is built up with him. Following the man in black, him mm-hmm. trying to catch the man in black. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of this short story mm-hmm. leading into a full series of books, I, I was just words. I was expecting that to go farther into the series okay. and have it cut off like that where mm-hmm. it wasn't even any epic battle or even epic battle of wits or Mm -hmm. anything like that. It's he's laying everything out. And then I think I referred to it in my notes that Roland Rip Van Winkles it (laughs) and wakes up and finds a man in black, you know, essentially a skeleton. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it was was anticlimactic.
0: Sure. And that's kind of what I was seeing. And that's really interesting because for the movie, they made it, they made it a more, like they made it a, just a battle, a, a gun battle.
1: Goat simulator, yeah. Yeah,
0: goat simulator, <laughs> gun battle, and a and gun magic battle. And that was one of my biggest disappointments is that, I mean, it's, the book finishes with this big, uh, I almost said exposition. It's not, not exposition. <laughs> uh, this big palaver between the two characters. And and that's this, just this battle of ideals, essentially. Um, but let's, let's backtrack a little bit, because there are points that I want to bring up about the story in relation to, to as it, as it progressed oh, yeah, throughout yeah. it. So um, one of the things that I really found or really love about this story is how we get a lot of There's, there's a lot of background on, not necessarily background, but there's a lot of, uh, description of the man in black without having him there. Like, there, like when, uh, when Roland is with Brown and, like, you have this, you've been, like, there's this sense that he's been chasing the man in black for a very long time and you have in Roland's actions so much, um, so much doubt and mistrust. Like when he meets Brown, he is convinced that, like he he's trying to discern whether or not Brown is a is, is real is real, yeah, or is or is a trap set by set by Walter. And and then when he goes into his story about Tull, it's the same thing. He's convinced that that the man in black has has left a trap there, and well, he, he did, did. <laughs> yeah, and he did. And I think. I think that that moment in the story with Tull, first of all, I love the the structure of the book that they, that he's, he's going, like he goes to, uh, he's, he meets Brown and then he goes into a story about how he was at Tull. And then while in that story, it goes into another story of, of Allie. Uh, That's, it's always, inter- it's interchangeable throughout the story between Allie and Alice, but um, she tells a story about um, Nort yeah. Yeah. Nort and how he came back and everything. And it's just this it's really I love the kind of nonlinear structure of it. But how did you feel about the Tull portion of the book and the influence of the man in black or the doubt of Roland? And you see, Toll was
1: kind of a mixed bag for me. Interesting. Um the the as like you just said, the structure was very nice that it didn't just have him go to Tull and then go see Brown. No, he mm-hmm. went and saw Brown told Brown of his experiences in tall. And while he was in tall, that's where he found out what the man in black did when he was there Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and who the man in black did when he was there. But, um, but like, and like I said, that's just one of the things. And, uh, this is one of the podcasts you really don't edit. So I apologize. It's like, why (laughs) is there so much fucking, (laughs) It's like okay, yeah, yeah. That, that might have been a bit titillating for me when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. but now I'm just like this. This isn't going anywhere for me.
0: I. Are you Are
1: you referring to to Roland and Allie? Roland and Allie mm-hmm. and Roland and Sylvia.
0: So, yeah, Sylvia. The yeah. the yeah the yeah. Although they didn't have sex,
1: they they didn't. But, yeah. you know, Handic that conversation, yeah. um, and that interaction, and not e- not even that mm-hmm. level, just, you know, the initial, right. you know, Where do you want feels me po- sort of yeah. thing. Um, just, and, uh, you know, the dude who was uh, watching the mule for him, his daughters.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. And, yeah, it just, it, it didn't seem to help. The
0: story yeah. for me at all. Also the, the demon, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and that's and that's fair. Um I didn't I didn't take but you to be such a prude.
1: The de- the <laughs> bite me. Um <laughs> the descriptions of um fighting his way out of tall, mm-hmm. those were well done. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that was, uh, and like I said, you know, based on the movie, I was expecting more of that towards the end of the book. Yeah, you know, when you're reading a book called The Gunslinger, you expect mm-hmm. a little bit more slinging of guns right. than what you actually had in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that part delivered.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. But
1: yeah, other other than that,
0: as far yeah. as the as far as the sex is concerned, with Allie and Roland, I. I feel that, that that sequence itself is justified. That relationship in the story is justified. Well, I think it's just with um, piled
1: with all the rest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like my justification for that is that it's not necessarily it's not like an empty thing. It is on the surface, it is a very empty affair. Like it's meaningless and everything for for the two characters, but it's more that it's more of an indication of the world and how the world's moved on, because he's just like like he's just kind of wandering and she's there's no one like she's described as not uh, <laughs> very cruelly. It's described as she was likely beautiful once, um, but now she has like the scar and everything. It's more like a, just like, okay, well we're in this, we're in this world. We're in this desolate world. Let's just, you know, hook up and then, you know, go. And then she, there's that kind of, interaction after they've after they've slept together where she is trying to get him to stay. It's not a very forceful thing. It's not very it's not a very um big like plea or anything like that. It's but there is they there is the whole like she says like uh you need you need this information. You can't just give, just throw me a fuck and then go. Yeah. And then she's I trying to get him even to go is
1: like throw me a fuck and go to sleep. I right. think what she had said. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's still just trying to get information and everything. And it's just, I feel like that informs a lot about both the character of Roland and the world that he's in is that he is steadfast toward his goal. He wants to know what's out, what's after the desert. He wants to know what's in that direction. What's what's Southeast of Tull in the desert. And he is just focused on that while she is, maybe deep deep down she's wanting more out of that she tries to convince him to stay but again it's not a very like melodramatic thing it's just like she has nothing um and then she gets a bullet hole in her head so yeah that that's my take on it and and i can try to defend the other sexual scenes there's yeah. Um, no, we don't have to go into it. It's just okay. you're asking opinions.
1: I'm giving opinions. Sure. They may not be popular. They may oh, not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. And I'm not trying to change your opinion. I'm just trying to give my yeah, that, perspective on it.
1: what we're doing here.
0: Exactly. So. That is the <laughs> whole point of what we do at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. Anyway. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. If this was Facebook, I'd be saying, no, you're wrong. You're bad. Block mute. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Expletive! Report, expletive, report expletive. for spam. Yeah. Uh, so then, the actual battle of Toll, the the whole the trap that the Man in Black sets for Roland. Um, as far as the kind of draw towards Sylvia, there's there's stuff in the series that, once you read farther into the book series and once you complete the book series, that will give more context to that interaction and everything thanks to it being revised. Um, but I'll stay away from that for now. But what I'll say is that I kind of like that because I kind of like that she, like she's described as a very grotesque human being. And then he still is described as being pulled toward her and, and sexually aroused by her. And that's his signal that yes, she is, she is a trap. There is something wrong with this. She's possessed by a demon and everything. And then he aborts her fetus with his gun, which sure. Um,
1: they don't, as I said, invasive.
0: Yeah. Maybe they don't have coat hangers in, in Midworld. you know, um, that's a discussion for another episode. But anyway, um, then we get the possession of the town and Roland's massacre of it, which I have a friend who I loaned the books to. I loaned the first two books to who he was prepared to give up on the books right before Tull. And I told him like, okay, just if you're not going to go through the gunslinger or if you're not sure about that, at least get past the story of Toll and see how you feel about it then. Because to me, I think that it takes so much guts to have this maybe not guts, but it's so subversive subversive of the genre to have this character that is patterned after the man with no name and is patterned after that, that Western archetype archetypical hero who is this, this loner who goes into a town, saves the day and leaves to have his first, battle his first his first display of his gun prowess to be just massacring an entire town of people possessed Every
1: man woman mm-hmm. and child oh
0: i have the stats here <laughs> <laughs> he killed he had shot and killed 39 men 14 women and five children which is incredible to me and there is a clip how did he have that much ammo on his belt Oh, he, you know, he's, he, he does a quick reload. He has, he has the ammo in his, uh, in his gunna, in his, in his little bag. He's, he's got the ammo. He's a gunslinger. But there is a clip after that, that kind of ends. It ends the, the section of, of the gunslinger. And I'm actually gonna, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna actually play it. Um, and then I'll, I'll cut it and put it into the episode proper. But here's the clip. And I think that this clip is, a fascinating and incredible summation of the utter loneliness of the character of Roland Deschain, and here it is
1: he found a ladder in the back shed went up to the roof and cut North loose the body was lighter than a bag of sticks he tumbled it down to join the common people those who would only have to die once then he went back inside
2: ate hamburgers and drank three beers while the light failed and the sand began to fly that night he slept in the bed where he and Allie had lain. He had no dreams. The next morning the wind was gone and the sun was its usual bright and forgetful self. The bodies
1: had gone south like tumbleweeds with the wind. At mid-morning, after he had bound all his
2: cuts, he moved on as well.
0: And I think that's just, it says so much about his character. Because he's on this journey, he has no one. And that's, its I just love the the writing of that. Uh, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on that?
1: Oh, no, it's not just when you start playing that, I just knew exactly what part you're going nice. to play. So I nice. just looked over here and I'm go and I'm just kind of mouthing and three beers. And-
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, and I just, I just think that that is a perfect summary of that character at that junction in the, in the fr- in the, in the series, because he is this desolate loner. He is this, he is the, the man with no name. And, throughout the series he is given a name and backstory and he's given so much nuance to the character and i think that this is a perfect a perfect summary of the beginning of that characterization and i just i i love it it's probably my fav, one of my favorite clips and favorite uh excerpts from the entire uh first book and possibly the entire series okay yeah <laughs>
1: Now, I know one thing that was interesting was the little things like the pieces left behind that the world forgot, or the world moved on yes the the references to hey Jude, mm-hmm. the hand car mm-hmm. that him and Jake found, things yeah. like that that's the, is this touched on more? as the book series goes on it it is quite a bit it okay. is uh
0: there is a lot of like i said i'm not asking specifics right right but there there is a a large amount of just of just things that are put into the series yeah yes that is expanded <laughs> on the gunslinger gives you a good taste of of what's to come with with all of these things like um yeah i won't even i won't even say that but it's not as clean as saying like okay well Midworld is a million years in the future of our world or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It's just a different, it's a, it's a world. I think the man in black refers to when he makes that, uh, that, uh, that reference, he says, um, once more with feeling as they say in the world next door. And that's that after the reference to Hey Jude is like the, is like the first hint of it being uh, uh, adjacent worlds and, and different different worlds within the same story,
1: and they were talking about like the lush greenery of Midworld mm-hmm. was referenced and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm.
0: yep. And uh, so we also have his backstory with his coming of age. We have his um, a backstory with him and his his friend cuthbert and how uh they uncover the cook uh th- like about to poison the uh, the kids and everything and, and the people of the affiliation i don't know if it's stated exactly like that and then they they end up getting him you know executed uh what did you feel uh, how did you feel about that backstory and that that exposition
1: and you know, it's, I, I didn't write any notes on that part mm-hmm. and I started thinking about it. I wish I had gotten to that part for this recording, but I mm-hmm. hadn't. Because then it also doesn't Sheb make a reference to that, the piano player?
0: Um, he doesn't make a reference to to the cook or anything like that. He makes a reference to Magis and, and Susan. That's that's far like it's later in his backstory.
1: Okay. Yeah. But um and you see that's the reason I was wishing I had made it to that point was cuz then I saw mm-hmm. it's like when I was reading right. again I noticed wait a second he made a mention of something and a name I might recognize. <laughs> sure, sure. Um I mean it was it was interesting mm-hmm. and it was background and it was world building but and once again, this is where your listeners yell and they're going to send me hate mail. <laughs> I didn't give it much thought past that and just, you know, moving on in the book. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. And what did you think of his rite of passage and his, his uh, battle with court? And what did you think of court as a character too? Because that was the name that Sheb referenced was court. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. I was thinking of the something else then. But yeah, yeah. What did you think of court in that background? And kind of and the ritualistic. I, nature I of don't it.
1: remember much of it. Interesting. Okay. And like like said, it was one of those. I think what I initially read through this. It's not Evernote. It's not going to give me the original uh, note creation date. Sure. But uh, I initially read through this and put some notes together because we were talking about we we're probably going to record this before we even saw it. Oh yeah. And then life got busy, and I, yeah. And I've been saying all week, I'm going to start rereading this, and then life just, mm-hmm. life. and <laughs> Sure. So I didn't have a chance to refresh that much. But uh, yeah, until I was looking at the chapter headings, mm-hmm. I didn't even give it much thought. Okay. And now I'm having to pull my book out, because I also want to try to find that uh, mm-hmm. reference. It was right there when... uh you know, Sheb was trying to stab him.
0: Yes. Okay. Because that's because that I think is when Roland asks him asks Sheb if he was in Magis and he knew Susan and he was there when something happened with Susan. And to from my perspective, like I just feel like going back and and reading it after knowing the context of like the full story and everything, the full scope. I just feel like it's a little bit of. It seems like his, it seems like uh, Stephen King's intention was to uh, to kind of put some meat on the world building and the backstory of of in the gunslinger to kind of kind of create a more cohesive uh, mythology from the outset. But what it kind of feels like to me, and I know I bitched about this in the movie, but <laughs> it feels more like fan service. Like Roland keeps thinking of Susan throughout the gunslinger. Because we know about Susan and his backstory with her, um, because we've read the series before. And it, that's what it kind of feels like to me. Um, and you're right, it does have some confusing there. You know, for you, it kind of could be confusing because you could confuse it with Court and with Susan and everything because it's not very, it's not really that fleshed out, which for me, I don't have a problem with it because I, I just, live and breathe the dark tower so i love it but i can see how it could be kind of disengaging for someone reading it either for the first time or for the first time in 28 years yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah so kind of to refresh your memory about court he was this very angry um very kind of uh a Abusive mentor, like the kind of the way that the gunslingers were trained was with just levied like physical and mental abuse at them in order to stiffen them and make, make them, make them tougher gunslingers. And so Roland finds out that Martin um, was having an affair with his mother. So he, that is to manipulate him into going into his rite of passage much earlier so that he could inherit his father's guns so that he could exact revenge on Martin, who I want to say that it's revealed in this book. And I've, I'm so sorry if I spoil it, but it's, it's revealed that Martin and Walter are the same person in this book,
1: right? Martin was the person that was staying all the time with his mom yes yes okay good good yes, it is.
0: I didn't know if that came later but um, sorry I yeah.
1: just found the section oh okay where Shab. Shab oh okay had. so it's like as, I was trying to vamp you for talking, you yeah, I appreciate that <laughs> no problem it's it's slow moving on so uh, I, I mm-hmm. read on an old uh, nook uh, paper mm-hmm. oh, okay. e-, e ink so like mm-hmm. trying to just find that page sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, does he mention court in that moment? You see, that's the thing is, um, let's
1: see. What about it? You were there. Weren't you? Many and many, uh, as they did say, what if I was, I don't remember you, but you remember the girl, don't you? The girl named Susan and reap Mm night. His voice took on an edge. Were you there for the bonfire? The little man's lip trembled. They were covered with spit. His eyes said he knew the truth. He was closer to dead now than when he'd come bursting in with a knife in his hand. God, I love that. Get out of here, the gunslinger said. Understanding dawned in Sheb's eyes. But you were just a boy, one of them three boys. You came to Count Stock, and Elder Jonas was there, the coffin hunter, and get out while you still can, the gunslinger said, and Sheb went holding his broken wrist before him. See, yeah, I really thought court was mentioned there, and
0: and that can be definitely confusing. Why,
1: why? did my brain?
0: Because you don't have the context of the of Wizard and Glass, which all of that is referencing referencing a backstory that doesn't have any other any other context to this story so that makes perfect sense that you would think that he referenced court because he's talking about him as a boy and the only thing the only thing we get in the gunslinger of him as a child or as him as a boy is his rite of passage with court and him and cuthbert um uh getting hacks executed as a traitor I think my
1: brain filled in when he's talking about one of just a boy yeah yep That's probably where my and then if you look out of this uh Breaks up when it says the coffin mm-hmm. right there at the end. It looks like oh yeah C O F and it looks like C O R. Yeah. So that's probably where my brain
0: yeah filled Which, that in. But and, and that's a bit of a problem. But as someone who loves the series, I I I do appreciate that that kind of contextualization because when you when you are familiar with the history and the story and and the lore of it and everything like that that moment with him and Sheb. Is much, much more significant because you get the context of why he is saying that to Sheb and why, where that anger is coming from. But as far as court and, and, and Roland is that the, that the rite of passage was that he, he became the youngest gunslinger to, uh, to go, go for his guns essentially. And what he did was that he, um he his weapon of choice like the, he he has to essentially fight court and if he gets him to yield or anything he wins and like he he wins his guns like he wins his his birthright is his his father's guns if he were to fail he that, jumped
1: into it earlier than they thought exactly. he was going to now i remember yeah. yeah,
0: and uh if he were to fail, he would be sent west and and pretty much uh um banished essentially yeah. so and what I love about this, and what informs so much about the character as well, and I mentioned this in the Roland Deshane episode, but what I love about it is that he um it's it's an emotional like it's, a, it's an emotional push that makes him do it. Like this he's being manipulated by Martin slash Walter for the specific purpose of getting him out of the picture. Um but what he does is that his weapon of choice is a hawk. Um and the hawk attacks court and that's when he wins. And there's a, a really pivotal, very, very poignant moment where I believe it's court asks him, how did you train him to do that? Or how did you get him to do that? And then Roland says, I didn't train him. I friended him. And that is a really good, uh, point for that character. And, and to kind of show like to a certain extent, it kind of leads to what happens with him and Jake is that he, he takes on this kid just to let him die so that he can serve his own purpose and his own quest. And I just, I love that characterization. That's something that kind of goes through. It's, it resurfaces several times throughout, throughout the series as well. That's, that's his, it's his battle with, with having a, having something else consume his life rather than his ka and his, his quest for the tower. But yeah. So, so did you have any thoughts on the rite of passage or anything?
1: Like like I said, um, I'll probably have more thoughts on it when we uh, record again mm-hmm. with everybody. Yeah. Okay. However long it takes to do that, sure, <laughs> sure.
0: Um, and we can start kind of winding down because this is—you get me talking about the Dark yeah. Tower. I talk forever. <laughs> surprise, um,
1: surprise! He has a podcast about it and everything. <laughs> right? um,
0: um, now, of yeah. course,
1: there's a one question as we start wind- winding down. Mm-hmm that I did want to ask, and sure. I can't remember the exact verbiage, so I'm pulling that note up. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually came up as I was listening to your guys's one of your first episodes. Okay, nice. Um, you guys keep talking about how this ties together the works of Stephen King and how rich that makes the experience. Yes. How much is someone like myself – doesn't have as much keen knowledge going to miss out on
0: that's a really great question. So And it's not, one you were prepared for. Yes. <laughs> you can read the Dark Tower series in isolation without reading the The other King novels and getting much context from it. You can, you can do that and it can still be a fulfilling experience. There are moments and characters and situations that come up that directly and indirectly reference King's books. Like there, there's a whole list. Like there's like some of the big the big connections are Salem's Lot, and The Stand is a yeah. huge one.
1: That's that's the one I picked up on reading the uh, IMDb notes yeah, exactly. for Dark Tower. Oh yeah, that I think we had talked about. It's like I started reading the IMDb trivia and realizing, oh wait, this is all just spoilers for the book series. i right. just put it down.
0: Yeah, so that and then also Insomnia, which is one I haven't read yet. But there are there's a lot of things that will will make the entire experience more richer and and more satisfying, and there's a specific kind of not necessarily order, but like there are specific moments in the series where it's like you would benefit from reading this book before you go on to the next book in the Dark Tower series that will really fulfill it. It's not like it's not like, oh, there's a reference to a 1958 Plymouth Fury in this one chapter in book six of the, of the Dark Tower series. So you have to read Christine before that.
1: Oh, so that's not from a
0: Buick 8. No, 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 no. Um, Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> anyway. So, so it is the, what, what I love about the Dark Tower series and how it connects with Stephen King's greater universe is that the way that he, he, interweaves his other his other stories into it is really fascinating to me and really makes his entire body of work kind of center around the dark tower it's not as clean a the dark tower series isn't as clean a nexus of all of stephen king's work works as you or i or anyone would want it to be but the pieces that reference that are referenced to it is pretty fulfilling if you read if you read the supplemental stuff of his other works. So it's not it's not anything that will take away from the experience if you don't read it, except for maybe Salem's Lot and and the Stand. You, that should be kind of required reading um, at very specific points. Um but other than that, it's not like you'll get those references. Like there are it's not like it's not like a a line of dialogue or a line of, uh, uh, of text from the stand is referenced in a book in the Dark Tower series. So you have to read the entire stand. It's like there are much more, there are much bigger connections to be made with those stories and the Dark Tower series.
1: M O O N. That means I have to read another
0: freaking book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice nice i like it <laughs> exactly um which yeah so the stand is we're gonna cover the stand that's no uh, luckily luckily yeah. i'm familiar
1: enough with the stand because mm-hmm. that's one of them that I, that and it mm-hmm. i read multiple times and of course the miniseries i mean i'm i'm sorry the stand miniseries oh was yeah freaking awesome uh, I
0: need to. I need to. I, I read the stand, and then I started to watch the miniseries, and I was like, "This is, it's a little too cheesy for what I had in mind."
1: Dude, it opens with "Don't fear the Reaper." Come and on, that's, now. That's great.
0: That's great. It has
1: Gary
2: Sinise.
0: It does, but the whole time I was reading the stand, I was picturing, um, Damon. Oh man, what is his name? Uh, the guy that he was in Homeland. Um. And he was also in Band of Brothers, I believe. Um, it has
1: Matt fruer
0: <laughs> I don't I don't even uh, I don't even know who that is. Uh Damian Lewis. I was picturing okay. Damien Damian Lewis as as Stu Redmond. And then you get like Rob Lowe, who I love Rob Lowe, but like he's playing Nick Andros, which is one of my favorite characters of any Stephen King novel. And he is a deaf mute, but like he's not looking at the people's faces when they're talking. So how does he know what they're saying? Like, <laughs> like he's just like that performance is just so aggravating. Cause he's not like, there's no way that like he doesn't keep eye contact. And I'm like, why didn't Mick Garris like tell him like, Hey Rob, look at their face. Come on.
1: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Rob was really, really high. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. That's fair. <laughs> Rob Lowe, don't sue me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, oh, so Matt, Matt for Matt, Matt, Matt,
0: Max headroom. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Nope. Cause you're young. Yeah. I'm more of a, I'm more of a, uh, min headroom max min, minimum maximum. So overall thoughts on the dark tower <laughs> one, the gunslinger, any parting thoughts and, uh, and yeah. No,
1: no, I mean, it's, it's kind of dry and, mm-hmm. but it's a short read. Mm-hmm. And it does do a lot of world building. And I swear all these terms and little things better be built upon in the uh, future mm-hmm. books. Or I'm going to get myself a van and I'm going to hunt King down. God. Too soon.
0: Uh, in- Yes, but not the reason not for the reason that you're thinking. <laughs> That's all I'll say there. Um Great. Well I'm glad that we could share Kef and I'm glad that uh, you know, Kala's a wheel and that the Taheen didn't come and and uh and prevent us from recording and and you Screw know you I, I hope that we can uh you know uh I don't know. I, I, that's all I got. Um, I'm glad we could pull out for this. So anyway, um, we will talk in more depth on the first book of the series once Feckus starts reading it. He's talking about reading it in November. I don't know when I'm going to post this episode because I might want to kind of hold off on it until we start that so I can kind of kick off that read with this episode. But
1: So, yeah. so what you're saying is we made all these references to you going Shit. to interview...
0: That is true. Oh. All right, well, this episode is going up next week now. <laughs> or doing a lot of editing. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You would not think I've been podcasting for four years. Anyway. Um... You do this more than I do,
2: for <laughs> yeah. crying out loud.
0: Oh, God. All right. Well... I only have 65 <laughs>
1: episodes. You have how many under <laughs> your belt?
0: Oh, God. A lot. A lot. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyway. Tell our listeners once again where they can find you online and uh, and yeah.
1: <laughs> you, you're <laughs> expecting the radio voice again, aren't you? I, I kind no. of am.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I won't
1: hold you to it, though. So. All right, folks. My name is Tony Troxel, and you can find me at geekinginindiana.com. You can also find me on social media at Indiana Geeking on Twitter. If he gets this up before October 2nd, make sure <laughs> you go to nouveau.net and vote for me for best local Twitter feed in the arts and I don't know whatever section. It's a bottom, bottom thing you got there. You can also find me pretty much anywhere on the internet by looking up Indiana geeking. Make sure you visit the Indiana geeking shop to get your Indiana geeking fidget spinners because the kids still love those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing Kev with me and, you know, uh, talking about, uh, the gunslinger. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about uh, drawing of the three and then the wastelands and then wizarding glass and then wolves of the Kala and then song of Susanna and then the dark tower and then the uh, wind through the keyhole. You and haven't all given of the, me
1: the uh, contract yet. And so. then
0: all of the, all of the comic book series and all the related novels and stuff, the stand, uh, uh, I uh, love that. Salem's on that that's fair. All right. Well, anyway, once again, you can find all of our work at tower junkies com. Find the other, uh, obsessive viewer podcasts at obsessive com slash podcasts. You can reach out to us on Twitter at, uh, wow. At Oops. tower junkies pod. If you want to talk to me specifically, you can, you can do at obsessive viewer. I don't care. Um, also Instagram and Facebook at tower junkies pod. And then, uh, you can reach out to, uh, me via, email at um, matt at obsessiveviewer.com and we definitely appreciate all your feedback and everything make sure you we want to have a palaver with our all of our listeners so make sure you email us email us in your thoughts uh, send us a Facebook message do whatever you want and having said all that thank you guys so much for listening long days and pleasant nights thank you for listening to tower junkies a dark tower podcast presented by obsessiveviewer.com You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged you can contact us by emailing us at matt at com, or by tweeting us at tower junkies pod or at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny you can also like us on facebook at facebook.com tower junkies pod for more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com Check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.